I think it's time to name names on this episode of Pushback. you're concerned about the direction our culture is heading, then maybe it's time to push back. Dr. Johnny here, and this is another episode of Pushback. Uh, I am here on a chilly Minnesota day here at the end of March. Yesterday, we had uh, about 20 to 30 mile an hour winds from the south, which resulted in a 70 degree day. Within about 12 hours later, we had a 20 to 30 mile an hour winds from the northwest, which has resulted in about a 30 degree day, uh, at least from the wind chill standpoint. So a big change in one day. Uh, if this was in California or other places, it probably would be news when you had a change that dramatic in Minnesota that's called spring. So we've uh, gotten used to uh, drastic changes and uh, we embrace it. <laughs> Hopefully the, the warm air will become more of a rule than an exception. So we're hoping for that. So thank you for tuning in over these last several weeks as, we, as I've been discussing a lot of these LGBT uh, issues. And it's difficult, it's sensitive, but we need to be able to talk about it. And I, and I am so glad that you have been listening and I've gotten such support uh, about the topic. And it really is about love. You know, the Bible says that if we don't act in love, we're kind of like a noisy gong. And uh, I don't have time for that. I don't want to be that. I don't want to just be a, a noisy gong. Uh, we want to love and we want to love well. And when there are our fellow citizens, when they're the, the people that we care for here on this earth who are hurting, and, uh, and we have an opportunity to love them. Uh, that's what we need to do. We talked about the Equality Act, uh, the, uh, still before the Senate. Uh, I believe that there's going to be somewhat of a filibuster. I had to read about filibuster. I wasn't really even sure what that was, but it looks like it's going to require 60 votes, which will be hard for the Democrats to get. Um, and there's a lot of Republican state legislators. I guess there's 30 bills in 21 states looking to ban transgender students from participating on sports teams that conform to their gender, gender identity. So there is even some legislative le legislative pushback uh, in this regard as well. I want to talk today about uh, sort of a, I, I guess, a new revelation. You know, our our teaching at GoFam Ministries, uh, as you may be aware, uh, revolves mainly around family, of course. And we teach mm, about 90% of the time from the first two chapters of Genesis. And the reason that we do is that we feel like it's a snapshot in time of the Father's original heart for us before sin entered the world. And we can get a picture for what he originally intended and for what his son brought restoration to. And so when we go through our teaching series, uh, we have two that are available online, the Power Powerhouse Family Course, uh, which is a an uh, eight series teaching on the power of family. Everybody knows family is important, but this digs in deeply to why your family is important 
here on this earth. And uh, we go and spend the majority of time in the book of Genesis uh, because it really creates the inherent value for what for for the reason family was created in the first place. Also online is available the ultimate marriage course. Uh, and again, we spend almost the entire teaching in the first two chapters of Genesis because that's where marriage began. That's where marriage was given its foundation and the reason for which it was created, which is glorious, by the way. And very soon, hopefully in the next several months, we'll be releasing our Value the Voice parenting course. Uh, we're going to be recording this in uh, April and then hopefully online shortly thereafter. And guess what? We spent a lot of time in the first two chapters of Genesis because that's where the beginning was. That's what the Father created for us. And it's, such, it's so important that we lean into that. You know, in Luke 19.10, it doesn't say that the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. Oftentimes that verse is quoted that way. But actually what it says is, for the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. It's a big difference. What are they referring to? What was lost? It was the culture of Eden. The culture that he created for us, for families and for marriages and for parents. And not only that culture, it it was the the cultural mandate. It was what was created for culture in the very first place. And as you know, and if you've been listening to this podcast, I'm all about culture because that's what we're here for. And family set the culture. As family goes, so goes the culture. That's the whole heartbeat of why we're talking here on this podcast and and why I, I present these things to you each and every week, because it's so important that we lean into the value of who we are, why we're here, and the purpose of our calling here on this earth. The purpose of why we were created from the very beginning. So I feel like I, you know, I, I, I often say in my teaching that I've probably read those first two chapters of Genesis. It's got to be 70, 80 times. And almost every single time I feel like I get a new piece, a new nugget of revelation from the Father, because it is from the Father, it's from his heart at the very beginning of time. And you've heard me mention Genesis one twenty eight. Then God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. You know, that phrase, Genesis 1.28, is actually referred to as the cultural mandate. It's a perfect word, isn't it? Because as family goes, so goes the culture. That was established from the beginning. And there is no plan B. (laughs) We are it. Jesus came to restore his original heart and culture to us. Now, but the words have dominion is actually the Hebrew verb, Rada, R-A-D-A-H, Rada. Now, the Hebrew word Rada, as the word is dominion, is one of these words, one of these Hebrew words that needs to be unpackaged and unfolded, and it's multidimensional, kind of like the word shalom. It's more than just, hey, peace, brother. You know, shalom has, has, has deep meaning and multiple meanings. Same for the word dominion or the word Rada. It's related to other words which have meanings, interestingly, like descend or to go down or to wander and spread. It's 
It's interesting. There are actually four Hebrew words that are actually um, sometimes unpacked in this word dominion or to have dominion over. And rada is one of them. Another one is the word uh, kabash or subdue. You've heard the term put a kabash on something. Subdue means to actually put under your feet. I could talk hours about that word alone and, and, and we do in our teaching. Because it, it's intimately related to family, but it's also intimately related to the enemy who was afforded residence on the earth, but had no dominion, had no power, and he was under our feet. And that was the position in which the first couple and the first family were supposed to operate here on this earth. Another word is uh, um, abad, A-B-A-D, which means to till or to serve or to do or to have action. We were actually given purpose here on this earth and as part of his creation, which I love. And the other word is shamar, S-H-A-M-A-R, which means to keep. They were to tend and to keep. So Radha is not what we think it would be as, as having dominion, being, meaning being forceful or domineering or harsh. But actually, the word rada is the kind of authority that enables the ruled things to develop and open up as they should. I've heard it dominion being described as, as having dominion means to actually find out those in whom you have dominion over, find out what makes them tick. Find out what makes them sing, and then to rule from that place. It's the kind of authority that enables the ruled things to develop and open up as they should. How beautiful is that? Dominion is a powerful, deep word. My wife, Amy, has actually latched on to the, the concept of tending and keeping because, again, it's in the first two chapters of Genesis. Everything springs from that. And so, so Adam and Eve were actually placed into the garden. They weren't in charge of the whole world, but they were given what was theirs to tend and to keep. And it's involved in this word shamar, this word rada, to 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 know what is yours and to have dominion over it. And Amy talks from a place of family and as a mom and as a wife uh, of how it looks to tend and to keep her home. And so I encourage you to go to Facebook, find GoFam Ministries on Facebook, and you can connect with Amy and her Tend and Keep series that she has started. You also can go to GoFam.org. So it's from that place of relationship. It's from that place of Radha. That Genesis 2, 19 is spoken. And this is what it says. Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see what he would call them. And whatever Adam called each living creature, that was its name. It's a powerful passage and has actually leapt off the page to me in these last two weeks. And so this is fresh. <laughs> this is fresh. And it, it has become a sobering truth to me. 
The story goes on. Adam gave names to all cattle, to the birds of the air, and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman. And he brought her to the man. Do you see what's happening here? It's part of Adam's dominion. It's what he was given. And one of the tasks, one of the things, one of the, one of the abads that he was supposed to do was to name creation. And I love what the Bible says is that the, the Lord brought all the animals to Adam to see what he would call them. He didn't instruct Adam or tell, them what to, tell him what to name the father's creation. He brought them and the father was curious. Isn't that lovely? He's so relational. He was curious what Adam would actually call them. Because Adam operated in dominion, he was able to find out even what creation, what made creation tick, and to find out what their purpose was, and he named them accordingly. The role on the earth. What is their role on the earth? And he would speak it forth as their name. And whatever he called them, that was its name. So the father in his gloriousness and in his beauty and in his romance creates this woman for the man. And he brings her to the man. Why? Because that was the role. That's what he did with creation. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh, she shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. He names her. He brings her to the man. The father brings her to the man and he names her because it was part of his dominion. It's a great trivia question. And most people will get this answer wrong. Is what, who, who was the first couple in the Garden of Eden? And 99% of people will say Adam and Eve. But the actual answer is Adam and woman. If your Bible is like my Bible, she shall be called woman is with a capital W. That was her name because she was taken out of man. There was a, there's a beauty, there's a romance to it. And there's a sweetness even to the name woman. So obviously, this is, this is incredibly important and incredibly historical what is happening here in this moment and the dominion that was given to Adam and Eve in the garden. So when we think about the fact, and this is key, when we think about the fact that we were given dominion on the earth and the only way the enemy could get that dominion is if we gave it to him, which is exactly what happens in Genesis chapter 3. We know the story. But the, that's not the end of the story, and it's not the new order of things. It's the out of order of things. And Jesus came back to restore order to the Father's original heart and plan. He came back to seek and save that which was lost, which was the culture of Eden, the cultural mandate. And of course, because of that, there are family implications. Because every day, the Father brings people to us to name. Now, what do I mean by that? It means that our dominion has been restored. The enemy has been defeated. 
All authority and power has been given to Jesus, and he's restored his dominion in and through us and through the power of his Holy Spirit in us so that we would operate once again with dominion here on this earth. Which means that the Father is purposeful, just like he was in the garden, to bring his creation to us for us to name. So we think about this, obviously, in a practical standpoint, in the fact that we have children. And the parents, we as parents, provide and and name them. And the Father brings them to us, literally, through the womb, into our lives to see what we will name them. We've had eight children, and and I'm the youngest of four children. So by the time it got to us and naming our children, it was harder because, you know, a lot of names were taken and 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 we we you know, picking out names for your children, as you know, is is a big deal. They're stuck with it for the rest of their lives. And and I don't know about you guys, but, you know, we, you know, we would name our kids and then of course, or, or we would contemplate naming our children. And then we'd think about all the nicknames that kids could call them because we have to think about that too, so that we don't give them a name that all of a sudden becomes this horrible nickname. And so we think about all that. I remember Amy was, I was driving Amy into the hospital in labor uh, and we we're about to have our, our Silas and Silas was very close to being named Levi, but his older brother was Elijah, and we were thinking he would be called Eli. And so we're going to have Eli and Levi. And on the way to the hospital, I remember, I am going to get that wrong for the rest of my life because their names sound so much alike. And so Silas was equally as as, as uh, appreciated of a name. And so on that trip into the hospital, um, the name Silas was picked. <laughs> and we're glad we did. It just fits. It's the right name. But names are important. And, and the, what's critical to understand is that we continually name our children. It comes from Radha. It's the Radha of what's been given to us as having dominion. And he is still looking to see what we will call them. My friends, what comes out of our mouth, what we speak in authority, carries tremendous amount of weight, power, and authority. And so the sobering truth is that when we speak and we name out words over our children, you're good for nothing. You're a failure. You don't measure up. You're a disappointment. Guess what? We are naming them. We are naming them failure. We are naming them disappointment. Do you understand that it was after sin, it was after the fall in the garden, that woman was renamed to Eve. He said, I will call you Eve because you're the mother of all living. He, he changed her name from a name of intimacy because you were taken out of man, I will call you woman. And he changed her name to Eve for something that he, she could provide for him. She was removed from a place of position and named simply based on performance or purpose. It was a tragic loss. There's so much we can find from Genesis 1 and 2 
But the sobering part of this conversation is that we have family members, we have spouses, we have children, we have parents, and the words that we speak out of our mouth carry authority and power under the, under the realm and the umbrella of Rada, the dominion that has been restored to us. And we have the power in our mouth to name our children over and over again. We have the power to, as heartbreaking as it is to hear, we have the power to rename them. James 3.4 Look also at ships, although they are so large and driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. So see how a great forest, a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird, of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men, who have been made in the similitude of God. Similitude is, means similar, or in the image of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives, or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh. I don't know if you get the flavor of James 3, but it feels like a reference to Genesis, doesn't it? He references nature and the way things were. He talks about the birds and the creatures of the sea. He talks about dominion. And what he's saying is, is that the words that we speak were given to us from the very beginning of time. In James 3, he references that we were made in the image of God. Where does that come in? Genesis chapter 1 and 2. And he's, saying this, he's speaking the importance of what comes out of our mouth. You know, sticks and stones can break my bones, but names will never hurt me. I don't think that could be more wrong. What comes out of our mouth has authority. It has dominion. Whether we realize it or even believe it, it's true because it's the way he created it to be. We have dominion because of our restored identity. And I want you to think right now, about those that he has brought to us. It's going to be thousands of people, thousands of opportunities in a lifetime of people, the realms of influence in which we operate, the people that he brings to us to see what we will name them. Oh, it's so sobering and, and heartbreaking and glorious, all in, all in the same package. Just like James 3 was talking about, what comes out, will it be sweet or will it be bitter? I mentioned family and how important it is that we name our children and we continue to name them. We speak life and wholeness into their life because we as their parents have radah. We have the authority and the power. I talked to my parents on the phone. And I just shared this with my family. My parents renamed me. 
every single time I talk to them. Because they speak life and edification and encouragement. And I hang up the phone with my parents and I feel like I can take on the world. And that's how it's supposed to work. It's speaking life. It's Radha. It's the dominion and the power in which they carry. But let me hit you a little bit harder. What about others? What about other people in our realms of influence? Let me just go right for the jugular. What about our president? (laughs) How do we name him? Do we name him as incompetent and as an idiot? Do we curse him with our words? Or do we bless him because of the position that he's in? And even one step further, do we release Radha, the blessing, the dominion over him that he would actually be successful, that he would prosper? What about our bosses? What about our coworkers? What about the waitress that takes care of us at our table? We have opportunities. These are the people. You know, nothing is by chance. This world is ordered by a loving and powerful God who has put us here for a purpose. What about this waitress who's just served us food and we have an opportunity to name her? We have an opportunity to bless her and to give her life with the words that we speak. What do we call the quarterback after he throws an interception? And now we're really getting personal, aren't we? Do we call him incompetent and an idiot? Or do we bless him? Thousands of opportunities to say that they're chosen, that they're special, that they're overcomers, that they're kind, great, and gentle. We name them, that they mean so much to us, that they're, in, they're infinitely precious that they're powerful, that they're able, that they're qualified. These are words of life, words of dominion that we have actually been instructed to give. And guess what? He is looking to see what you will call them. Not what he has called them, not what the Bible has called them, but what you're going to call them. Wow. My friends, I'm asking you to let this settle in this week and be intentional about what comes out of your mouth. It's as important as what comes out of your mouth as what doesn't come out of your mouth. We have opportunities. The Father in his great providence has given us his dominion so that we can go and we can name people with life and wholeness. Thank you so much for your attention on this important topic. And until next week, let's go together to set and shape the culture.